Well, it's good to see you. We're in uh, December, in the heart of uh, the season, that's for sure. And I, I tell you what, I know many of you ladies were here Friday night. That was just incredible. That was a just a great, great time in kicking off the season and uh, just a great group of ladies here and it was a great evening and appreciate you men serving and it was just uh, just good and we've got a lot of things happening uh, this month. I, I wanted to draw your attention, Alan will mention these at the end, but we have some uh, um, ticket kind of things. These are for our um, Christmas Eve service. And the, you can pick these up for your neighbors and workmates and classmates and just as an in, uh, uh, invitation for them to come for Christmas Eve. Christmas is on Sunday this year. That's uh, interesting. We're going to do one service on that Christmas day at 10 o'clock. And so it's going to be a, a great season as we uh, approach that. Before we open God's Word, I, I want to ask you to pray with me. Uh, Pam and I have a dear neighbor friend that is um, battling for her life right now, and uh, her name is Crystal. And so would you mind just bombarding the throne of God for Crystal for, with us? Would you do that? And uh, so I'll voice it, but... Please just come before the Lord. Father, our, our hearts break because we're so limited and doctors are, don't know what to do. But Father, right now we just speak Crystal's name to you. Father, we know that you love her, that you created her. You love her family, you love her children, her husband. But Father, we just want to come because prayer is the avenue and you are the healer. And so, Father, we just, with this group today, we just bombard your throne room with the name of Crystal. And uh, Lord Jesus... We know when you walk this earth, no one was too far gone. And uh, even when they were gone, like Lazarus, you brought them back. So, Lord, we know that life is in your hands. So, we just um, come today, Lord, crying out to you to do what only you can do. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to get to it in just a moment, but uh, let me kind of set the stage for where we're going a little bit. There was, um, there was a man who had, uh, you know, family, had reached older part of life. His, his kids had scattered to the far, four winds and, and this kind of stuff. But the, the kids thought very highly of their dad. And so they, they came together and one of the sons said, I would really love to do something extra special for dad at Christmas. I, I want to do something that just lets him know he is worthy and he is honored and, uh, and uh, he's done so much for us. 
And they said, well, what do you want to do? He said, well, I was looking. And he said, there I found a parrot. The parrot can speak five different languages and can sing the Yellow Rose of Texas on one foot. And, uh, but here's the deal. This parrot cost $10,000. So we're going to be honoring to our dad. So let's all put our money together. So sure enough, they did it. They bought the parrot. They sent it on to their, to their dad. And uh, they didn't hear anything from dad. So the son calls up, Dad, uh, did, you, did you get the Christmas present? Yeah, I got it. Well, you got it. What, what did you think of it, uh, Dad? I, I just got to ask. He said, well, son, it, it, to be honest, it was a little scrawny, but it was delicious. <laughs> now, the dad did not recognize the amount of the gift that was given, and he took it very slightly. I think that we're tempted to do that with Christmas. The ultimate gift that God gave us was the life of His Son and the eternal life He gives through His Son. And yet, we sometimes take it so lightly, and we don't, oh, it's delicious, but we miss actually why Christ came. And this Christmas season, we're going to be talking about fear not. Uh, we live in a day of great fear, but we're talking about fear not. Those are the worst, first words out of an angel's mouth anytime he confronts humanity is fear not. Why? Because you're gonna, about to have your head blown and uh, you, you need to know this is of God. Pam and I, uh, this past Thursday, were headed to Waco, and it was about 4.30, and uh, as we were traveling down I-35, it was amazing how dark it's getting early, isn't it? I mean, uh, here about the December 20th range, we're going to have the shortest days of the year, but right now it's getting dark so early, and uh, darkness is uh, kind of depressing. However, what's going on right now is everybody's got their Christmas lights out. So despite the darkness, we're seeing all the light and the beauty of the light, and the lights shine ever so bright because the more the darkness comes, the brighter the lights shine. And we live in a culture today that I don't want to be cynical or skeptical, but let's be honest, it's pretty dark. We look at uh, the divisions that are in our country, in our neighborhood, in our community here, uh, the political unrest, financial struggles, moral indifference, uh, racial divide, spiritual decline. I saw where the UK, uh, I read an article, the UK has now, when the census came out, that uh, believers in God and followers of Christ have, are just well below 50% for the first time. And, uh, and I, I don't know what our country will, will show as well, but it, we know it's that way. So I, I think that what God is instructing us, listen, with the darkness, as dark as it gets, 
It'll get darker, but you are the light of the world. You let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And so we are called in this dark time to be uh, light in this world. And we see that throughout Scripture. But we're going to be reliving the first Christmas. And we're going to be, because we, we look over the month and we're going to be seeing this fear not, fear not. You know, the greatest fear that men have today is fear of failure or fear of others even in that we, don't, we may let you down or we don't measure up or these kind of things. And so we struggle with that. But God is saying, fear not. And, and in Matthew chapter 1, we're going to be talking about a guy by the name of Joseph. You see, in, in the Old Testament, we see that a Messiah, a king is coming. This is going to be the king of the universe. He's going to be the king of all kings. He is going to be the son of God. He's the savior. He's the redeemer. And he is coming. And we are told that in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, he will be born of a woman. In Genesis twenty-two eighteen, it says, he will come from the seed of Abraham. In Genesis 49.10, it says he will come from the tribe of Judah. And in 2 Samuel 7, 12, and 13, it says that he will come from the lineage and family of David. So we see that, isn't that a great sound? I, I love that sound. I love that sound. Uh, as long as it was a child. Uh, <laughs> But we see that Jesus was born of a woman. He was from uh, the seed of Abraham. He was from the tribe of Judah. And he was from the lineage of David. And in Galatians 4.4, Paul tells us, in the fullness of time, God sent Jesus. So what God is doing is he's taking all of these history and these movable parts to a certain time when Jesus would come. And so we, we see that, and we see that God took the prophecies, and he fulfilled the prophecies. He took a group of people known as the Jewish nation. He took a secular uh, government called the Roman government that he would pick that time because of the peace of Rome and the highway systems that would take the... the uh, take the gospel to the world. He had to prepare shepherds and magi and angels and uh, the little drummer boy. He had to prepare them all for that birth of Jesus. But he also was preparing a righteous young man and a righteous young lady. And in the fullness of time, God sent Jesus. So, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. Let me read it, and then we'll unpack it. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, 
resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. And this is Isaiah the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. This Joseph, who was picked out, we don't know a lot about him. In fact, most scholars would agree that by the time Jesus started his public ministry at 30, he had already passed away. And uh, so Mary was uh, with her children and Joseph was not there. So we don't know a lot. We know he was from the tribe of Judah, originally from Bethlehem, the city of David. He was a craftsman by trade. He had learned that from his father. Uh, he was from a nowhere place where he grew up called Nazareth, right? Can anything good come from Nazareth is what the scripture says. He was a young man, at probably early 20s, maybe late teens. He was betrothed. Now, let me explain, let me explain right quick what it means to be betrothed. There were three areas of a relationship between a, a, a man and a woman that took place. Number one is they took, uh, as children, their parents would uh, set an arranged marriage. Now, we don't do this in our country, but looking back, I would say this would not be a bad deal. Um, so with our family commitments, Al, we're going to start doing uh, this as well. So as parents, they would arrange so little Mary would eventually marry little Joseph. So when they got older and they'd gone through uh, uh, maturity a little bit, then they would enter in what was called betrothal. Now betrothal was binding. It lasted about a year. There would meet no physical intimacy during that time. Uh, they would be uh, arrangement so that Joseph is preparing for, uh, he has a year to prepare his home to get ready for uh, Mary. And then they have the marriage proper which uh, would eventually come, uh, Joseph comes, takes Mary back to his home, and so they have the marriage. Betrothal was so binding that you had to get a divorce to uh, dissolve even the uh, betrothal. Mary and Joseph are in the betrothal period, okay? They're in that year of uh, preparing to be married. And 
We do not know, like I say, a lot about uh, Joseph. He is preparing, uh, but one thing we do know, the scriptures say he was a just man. Now, what does that mean, he was a just man? It means he was a man of character, he was a man of integrity, he had a moral compass, uh, he was a simple man, but God saw his heart. And so what I want to do is I want to walk with you right quick through seven things that God did in using Joseph to orchestrate uh, all of history, this most important event. And I want to personalize it to let you know today, God wants to use us. Fear not, God wants to use us. So, number one. And these will be on the screen and you can write them down. Number one is this. God had a plan. God had a plan and he has a plan. That plan was to have a deliverer to come for the sins of mankind. And he had a plan in place. And so what he was doing is he was working all the moving parts to come and, and to be ready for this historical event. And all of history would, uh, would ride on this history. I love that. Uh, but the reason that God was orchestrating this plan was because all of mankind was sinful. All of mankind was flawed and broken. All had sinned and come short of the glory of God. There was none righteous, no, not one. And so what God did is he was going to send a deliverer to come. God had a plan from the foundation of the world. Secondly, God desires a close relationship with his people. God desires a close relationship that's why the scriptures from first to last always, even though we're believers, there is a, uh, a, a teaching that we are to pursue and to keep pursuing so, so that we will know him more and more. God desires this deep, intimate relationship with his people. And here's the deal. He wants you. So, so often we think, oh, what can I do for God? Let's be honest. You can do nothing. Uh, he, he indwells you to do those things. And so he wants your uh, availability more than his ability. And have you thought about it? I know that many of you that are followers of Jesus in this room think uh, uh, as an eight-year-old boy, I made a decision to follow Christ. And I know that many of you, maybe it wasn't eight, but... It, it was sometimes, and we think it was about us. It really wasn't. He pursues us. He calls us. He prepares us. It's all Him, and we just respond by faith to what He has done. So He desires this loving, close relationship with us. The third thing is this. God has an invitation and this invitation is to join him on his purpose. Remember, his purpose is to redeem mankind 
And so he gives the invite to join him in his purpose. And that's what he does with Joseph. There's an invitation that uh, takes place. He is chosen to use Joseph as unprepared and unworthy and as simple as he was. And he was a nobody, but yet he had the heart and God chose him. And so some of you are in this room and you're thinking, uh, there's no way that God can use me. If, if he knew where I'd come from, if he knew my heart and he knew my motives and he knew my failures and my screw-ups, why would he want to use me? You're perfect. You're perfect to be used. And Joseph was so, such a simple man, but God invited him to join him in his purpose. And then, fourthly, God speaks and he reveals his plan to Joseph. Now, notice what he, his plan was. It says in verse 20, But as he considered these things, uh, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save the people from their sins. Listen, Joseph is receiving God speaking to him, and God chose to speak in a dream. Now, I don't know if it was in the middle of the night. I don't know if it was a daytime vision. I don't know what it was other than the fact that God chose to speak to him through a dream. And some of you, God may choose to speak through dreams. He speaks through various ways. He spoke through a donkey, obviously, in the Old Testament, Balaam's donkey, he spoke through visions, he spoke through dreams, he spoke through audible voices, he spoke through circumstances, he spoke through other individuals. God chose to speak to Joseph in a dream, and he puts all of this plan in motion. But notice this, he did not give him the fullness of where he was going to end up. You know... We, we like to see the big picture. And I've talked about this before. We love to see the big picture. But God just chose to reveal he had a purpose. And he chose Joseph that I want you to go forth and be a part of this purpose. And that purpose will be to take Mary and you're going to raise this son. And he will be my son, not your son, but you will raise him. And, and God is calling Joseph, and I want you to grab this because I'm going to make the point. God was calling Joseph to do something that he could not do on his own. And here's my question. I want this to sink in. What perhaps is God calling you to that if he doesn't come through, you're sunk? You see, we live life according to what we think we can do. And God comes along and he desires this close relationship with us. And he says, listen, I want you to step out on faith and I want you to do this. Maybe you love your neighbors, uh, love uh, your classmates, uh, serve in the church, do this, do that, go to the ministry, 
go to the mission field, whatever it is, God is saying, I need you to do this. I want you to do this. But what is it in your life that if he doesn't come through, you're sunk? Just think about that a little bit. And the angel shows up and speaks to him. The next point is this. A crisis of belief. Notice Joseph had to come to a crisis of belief. I, I mean, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this dream, and can I trust this dream? Is Mary truly trustworthy, or did I miss something somewhere? Is this really even possible that God could come upon a young lady and she be with child? Was it, is it worth the judgments that will come from other people? My personal plans are going to all be altered, right? If I step into this. How will we make it? And, and this is where I would think about it. I would think Joseph probably thought, I have rights too. Why, why would I do this? Hear me, when God speaks, speaks personally and directly to you, either through his word or through circumstances or whatever, I want you to know that when he speaks, you will face a crisis of belief. You are going to have to decide, is this worth it? And he says, consider the cost. You know, I wonder sometimes if Joseph would have said no what plan B may have been. But I think God knew his heart, and he knew, he knew this was the plan. So, crisis of belief. Next, major adjustments had to be made if Joseph was going to follow after Jesus. Major adjustments. I, I just think about Joseph. I think about, he's in this small village town. He may have been known as his good craftsman and uh and he was going to have to make a big adjustment he was probably going to have to give up personal dreams you know the song a baby changes everything and uh this baby was coming whether they were ready or not they the baby was going to come and he was going to have to get super close to god because there was no way he could do this on his own joseph was gonna have to come to a new trust level with God. I think some of the reason we do not want God to get so close to us is because if he gets so close that he speaks and we know his heartbeat and what he desires for us and the purpose he has for us, I, I'm, we're afraid if he gets that close, we don't want it. We don't want it. It's not a matter of if God is speaking, it's a matter of we don't want it. And so major adjustments had to be made for Joseph. And you notice, Joseph didn't know what the future held. I don't know when the uh, uh, tax census was going to be that he was going to have to go to Bethlehem, but obviously it was going to be soon, and so he is going to have to go to Bethlehem with Mary, and she's big with child, and they're going to get there, and the baby's going to be born, and these shepherds are going to show up, and, 
And uh, what's going to happen is Herod's going to start killing babies. So they got to go to Egypt. And Herod dies. And they, they're going to come back. And they're going to end up at Nazareth again. But all of a sudden, their life is changed. And he's got to make major adjustments in his life. I don't know if God has ever spoken to you in a way that uh, you had to make adjustments. You had to make adjustments. And God will lead you in that way. And then the last point is this. Obedience leads to experience. And the experience is you experience God. Obedience leads to experience. I think about the little kid who is on his bike and he, uh, he's riding his bike and he goes to the corner, he turns, he goes to the corner, he turns, he goes to the corner. And finally a neighbor person sees him and he's done this several times and he says, what are you doing? He said, I'm running away from home. And, uh, but, you know, he says, you're not going to get very far just going around the block and he said I'm not allowed to cross the street (laughs) and and I think that obedience even though we don't understand we may even get angry with God because we don't understand but yet in 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 our, our obedience is when we experience his closeness more than ever walk in obedience Many of us want the assignment, but we don't know, we don't want God all up in our business. But what I love, notice verse 24, and this is the key to me. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Two things. He woke up. He did. I believe that we live in a dark day and what God is doing is He wants His bride, the church, to wake up. He's waking us up to depend upon Him and what happens is when Joseph woke from his slumber, when the church wakes from his slumber, then He did. He obeyed. And that's what I think God is calling for us in this dark day. He is asking His children, listen, wake up. I punch you. The alarm's going off. You see the signs all before you. The alarm's going off. Wake up and do my plan. Do what I have asked you to do. What is that for you? I don't know. Completely. But I do know this, if you've been listening. I know God's purpose is redeeming mankind. So if you want to wonder a little bit about what God may be asking of you, ask yourself this question. Is this about redeeming mankind? And wake up and do, just like Joseph did. Joseph's life may have got been cut short because he was obedient. I don't know. We, we'll ask him someday in heaven, what was it really like? But you can imagine the man and what he went through. 
I end with this thought. There was a, a pilot who was a young pilot, and he was flying solo. And as he was flying, something happened, and he, he had a temporary blindness that came as he was flying. He didn't panic. He called the tower and he said, uh, he said, I've got a problem here. He said, for some odd reason, I've got a temporary blindness that is set in. And the man in the tower said, okay. He said, allow me to talk you through it. He said, you need to bank so many degrees, and he banked. He did exactly what the voice was telling him until that voice talked him in to a perfect landing on the airstrip, even though he was blind. Sometimes we're afraid of God talking to us because we think he's going to take us to the wrong airport or take us to the wrong place. I want you to know that we have a God that even though we don't see the whole picture, he is still in charge. And he is speaking to his people today. And listen, we don't need another Joseph. We don't need another Mary, and we'll be talking about her next week. What God is desiring is for you and me to make ourselves available that Hazy speaks, we're willing to be obedient.